Hey there, this is Dee Yvonne Rivers, your host for Birth Moms Real Talk, a podcast where you will hear the journeys of birth mothers who have placed children in adoption and also have some emotional and tough conversations, or you may say hot topics about adoption. Listen in. Good day, everyone. My name is Dee Yvonne Rivers. I'm your host for Birth Moms Real Talk Podcast, a platform where birth mothers share about their journey, their story, what they went through of having their child, the grief, the trauma, the lifelong journey that is adoption. We allow you to listen in, to tune in, to hear what birth mothers went through. I'm so happy to have with me today, Brandy. Welcome, Brandy. Thank you for having me. Good, good. We're happy to have you here. So I'm going to turn it over to you to sort of give us an idea about your growing up, your background, uh, and your family leading up to when you became a birth mom. Go ahead. So I am from a rural small town in West Michigan. My parents were teen parents, and we really had, a like me and my siblings really had a kind of a stressful childhood because we're just in survival mode with just not having a lot of money and resources at the time. And when I got pregnant, I actually was in foster care. When I was 15, I was kind of going from place to place in a lot of different institutions and I eventually made it to my grandmother's house because I kept running away from foster care mm-hmm. homes and I was 17 my my grandmother was working all the time so I just had a lot of freedom to do whatever and I should you go up- into foster care Brandy what age did you go uh, into foster care? At 15. At 15. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was a ward of the state when I was living with my grandma. And I, again, was in a small town living out in the country. So I didn't really have a lot to do. And I ended up meeting this boy in my junior year of, of high school. And we fell in love and had a beautiful summer of just like being young and crazy. Mm-hmm. Just free and fancy you know, free, having, huh? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Free, like a great, a great time. But unfortunately, when I, when we went to start, when I was a senior, starting my senior year and he was starting his junior year, we found out I was pregnant and that was really, really shocking for us. And, mm-hmm. and we were really in a lot of denial and scared, just really scared. So you were 17 at that time. How old was he? Uh, 16. Okay. Wow. Wow. So yeah. what was the first thought when you did face, face the truth and get out of denial? What was your first thought? Well, it took us a minute <laughs> to get out of denial. Um, okay. We were just immediately, we just clung to each other. Like we have, you know, we have each other, like, let's get through this. We're pretty much the only ones that each other has at at that time. 
And it's kind of like our secret for a few months until we went to this pregnancy crisis resource center Mm -hmm. in the small town that I lived in. And they confirmed my pregnancy. And after they confirmed my pregnancy, they gave me a big folder for Bethany Christian Services Mm -hmm. and told us that we should call them. They will help us. And they gave me an ultrasound the next day. So it just really started to set in and we realized we had to tell our family what was going on. Right. And how was that? He was, <laughs> well, my boyfriend was the only child and they were really like dependent on, on him to do everything right, <laughs> you know? And I, was living with my grandmother who who worked a lot and struggled already in her own life. And so that was really difficult. They were really mad at us, his parents and my grandmother. And they just weren't so kind in, in their response. They're all like, you should get an abortion. Like, my partner he or my boyfriend at the time was like not allowed to call me or see me anymore for a while and that was really hard because he was like my only my only friend Mm -hmm. at the time and yeah it was really difficult like the separation during that time of me and him so the two of you did did no longer see each other and just walk me through on step by step once you told them, and they both both sides suggested that you get an abortion. Yeah, I I knew that I didn't want an abortion. I okay. just I knew that I I didn't know what abortion was at the time. Mm-hmm. I wasn't you know really aware of that process. I just knew that I'm not getting one, and I told them all that, and they definitely didn't want to hear that. And they said, Daniel, my partner's parents said that, like, he's not allowed to father. He's only a teenager. He's not, he has to finish high school. He's not going to take care of this baby. Like, they won't allow him to do that. Mm-hmm. And I was very, I, I believed that. <laughs> I was like, oh no, so this is going to be just me doing this. So Mm -hmm. I went back to the pregnancy crisis research center and told them and they had their own agenda at the time. I didn't, I wasn't aware, but they just started helping me kind of map out what it would look like to, to parent my child. Mm -hmm. And they said, you know, like you should go to the grocery store and add up the cost of diapers and how much that's going to be per week. And um, so they were I, giving you tasks to do or were they giving you information about what it would take to to raise your your child? They were giving me tasks, like a kind of like a worksheet sort of thing. Like okay. and, you know, I quickly realized with their worksheets that I don't have anything <laughs> and I don't mm-hmm. there's. There's really 
I just thought immediately when they started giving me these tasks to do, I was like, there's no way. Mm-hmm. Like, without family supporting me at all. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was literally a ward of the state and wasn't talking to my mother. My dad was incarcerated. My grandmother threatened to kick me out a lot. Like, so I was facing already these obstacles and I just, it, it got really heavy really fast. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And so I eventually, you know, with the, with the counselor's advice at this, at the center to call Bethany Christian Services. So I did. And they immediately contact, connected me with a pregnancy counselor, okay. was the title. And she met with me and told me that she's a birth mom and that, you know, adoption is beautiful and, you know, it can be hard, but like sometimes that's the best thing that you can do for a child when you don't have when you aren't able to provide the life you want. It just like really started to get real for me. And the fact that like, I felt like I had no opportunity to keep my baby. Like already I was displaced with so much so, Mm -hmm. so quickly. And there wasn't, to me at the time, there wasn't any sort of hope or, or avenues that I could go down. Mm-hmm. to to possibly like parents right 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 but you were and 17 at that time right yes i was 17 with extremely low self-esteem mm-hmm. self-worth right, and right. my own life experiences of being a child of of a teen parents and them struggling so mm-hmm. much and us seeing so much so you mentioned us, so siblings. How many siblings did you have? I have two sisters and three brothers. Okay. And most of them are half. So. Okay. So were there any resources? Were they older or younger than you? The I had one older brother, and then the rest were younger. Okay. Okay. So when you're there with a, um, a counselor... So when did you make the decision? First of all, how how long how long far how how far along were you at this time when you went to the counselor? I was about four months pregnant. Okay, and okay. it like was still it's all happening really fast, and like I'm still mm-hmm. trying to grasp my mind around the fact that I'm pregnant, and we started having these meetings once I was able to see my boyfriend again eventually I was able to with with some fight (laughs) to to be able to do that we were able to still have a connection and my boyfriend was like really supportive whatever he kept saying whatever you want to do like he'll be there and that you know that felt really good at a time where I didn't have a lot of support Mm -hmm. and so we started to have these little meetings with his parents and my grandma. And when I was around five months pregnant, and they were 
all saying to us that we really need to do this adoption. Like this is what's going to be good for all of us. Mm -hmm. And I remember just sitting there in those meetings, like, this is not right. <laughs> this is at, like, I feel like I don't, I didn't have a voice at that time. Mm-hmm. Like it was all kind of being planned out for me. Right. And, um, I just, I didn't know how to stand up for like what I wanted. Right. And also just having this internal belief that I wasn't good enough to be my son's mother. So you mentioned you had a low self-esteem. That was because of the family situation. As you mentioned, you had a foster, you're in your grandmother, not connected with your mom, and your dad is uh, incarcerated. So that's a lot to deal with, Brandy, at any age. At any age, yeah, yeah. It was. It really had an impact on me and moving forward at this decision. Right, right. So your family wanted definitely wanted an adoption plan. You basically wanted help to keep your child, right? Yes, I, I did. Okay. And I wasn't getting much like resources for that. Mm-hmm. At the time, I didn't have a car. I lived out in the country where there wasn't internet access. Mm-hmm. There was barely cell phone service. Right. And I couldn't, if I wanted to leave or do anything, I had to get a ride even mm-hmm. to my doctor's appointment. So mm-hmm. it was just like... Hard. Say it. It's hard. It was hard. Yeah, it was, it hard. was hard. It was hard. <laughs> Say, you know, like, yeah. we do real talk here, Brandy. This, yeah. this is birth mom's real talk. We don't yeah. cover anything, you know, because we can see or we can say or we can do the words and whatever. Well, you know, it was hard for you. You were facing so much. And and I purposeful emphasize these words and emphatically because of just showing how a lot of the journeys of birth moms are just hard. They're just hard. Yeah. Yeah. So when 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 you did decide the adoption plan, so walk me through what was the next step once you decided that it would be adoption. Um, So what was the next thing once you decided it would be an adoption? I, yeah, I decided an adoption when I was five months and probably a little bit before five months because I didn't know the gender yet. Mm -hmm. And I picked out, I just, I had to look at these profiles, you know, with the (laughs) agency and it was horrible and made me want to vomit every time I did it mm. and so I picked so it was going to be an open or you had a choice of, of deciding the parents yes I had a choice okay yes and I wanted it to be open like it was there was no question for me it's like right away when they told me the options I'm mm-hmm. like I want it as open as it can get okay. you know <laughs> okay without okay. me being you know right the parent right. role so I was very clear with the agency, so they gave me a few options, and they got us connected to this prospective adoptive parents. We had a couple of meetings with them. We met their 
adopted dog that was only like a year and a half old. So mm-hmm. that was really drawing us to them already because they had experience with this. Mm-hmm. The adoption that they had was supposedly open at the time. And yeah, and we just like became friends. It seemed like they okay. were very friendly to us and like invited us over to their house. They took us out to eat like she the adoptive mom took me out to get like pedicures done and I was just being like pampered like I've never been Mm. (laughs) and that was uh really you know I just felt like we're connecting and they um added us on Facebook and once we found out that we were having a boy they said that they are having a boy on their on their status and it just felt like I was a birth mom and I, and I was even called a birth mom before mm-hmm. I gave birth, you know, mm-hmm. right. and I was just doing like moving along in the motions of just being this, I'm going to be a birth mom, but I already was to a lot of people in this, in this scenario. And okay. that I started to feel just a lot of pressure. Like I have to do this now. You know, right, even right. when I was six months pregnant, like seven months, I just felt like this is what I have to do now mm-hmm. at this point. All these people are depending on me. We've built a, you know, we told these people that we want to choose them. Mm-hmm. And everything was just rolling into that way. And there right. was now at this point, like seven, eight months pregnant. I didn't know there was like no going back in my mind, mm-hmm. you know. But I haven't even given birth yet. So it's really weird looking back on it. So you were still in high school then? Yes, I was in high school when I was... So I was still a senior throughout this whole time in in high school. And during the last month of my pregnancy, which was in in April, May, I was on bed rest. I I had preeclampsia. And I couldn't leave, like, my bed. <laughs> so really. you were still at your grandmother's? I actually left my grandmother's at the last, yeah, the last month of my pregnancy. I was, I was staying with my boyfriend at this point. And, yeah, I was stuck in my bed. It was, like, probably the most depressing thing. <laughs> Just looking back, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't do anything. And I was really sick. Okay. Okay. So moving on, when you, how did you go to the hospital? Was your boyfriend there? Who was there with you? So my boyfriend's mother took us to the hospital. We picked my boyfriend up from his last day of school. It was a scheduled C-section because of my condition. So we picked him up from school and then we went to the hospital. And it was a very just odd experience of just this is all scheduled this is all planned out Mm -hmm. you know and i gotta go have surgery now and And did you um, call it having surgery or deliver your child uh i think i just called it like a c-section at the time okay Okay. I, i just didn't have like a lot of people telling me what what was gonna happen 
in this experience. And like the doctor I had was very just from the time I was five months, like you're going to have a C-section and just everything was just being like kind of put on paper of like how this is going to go, you know, mm-hmm. and it's kind of being done to me. So we went to the hospital and my boyfriend went into the surgery room with me and he held my hand the whole time as they delivered my son. Okay. And he was like really big and sweet and cute. And it, it just... You did see him? Yeah, I did see him. My boyfriend held him and showed him to me and like put his face by by my face. Okay. And what was then, the first feeling? What was the first feeling? I was really numb. Like mm. even before that, yeah. I just felt super numb. <laughs> just yeah. like I I wanted to feel something but I just like couldn't feel like a lot at that time on the table it felt so sterile and or were you did you did it feel real or did you really or surreal i mean there was a reality to you had it sit in that you were a mother (sighs) it was still it was still like this was kind of not real so i got all you know put back together and brought back to my room and there was nobody there and my boyfriend was in the nursery holding him, my son, as they were situating me. Mm-hmm. And I got to spend, we both got to spend three days in the hospital with our son to the okay. last minute till they kicked us out. And then I did try to breastfeed him as well. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was important for his, his health. Mm-hmm. But I was having a hard time with that. And the adoptive parents did come in the next day. I really didn't want them there. I just, I didn't want to. Was it set up for them to be there? It was that they they were expected to be there at some point. And I just didn't want, like, I didn't want to tell them anything you know <laughs> so my boyfriend and his his parents took care of that because I was just so when you're saying you didn't want to tell them anything you don't want to tell the adoptive parents you didn't want them there yeah and also just I just didn't want to think about them in that time okay. you know like it was it was more like I just wanted to be there and experience this mm-hmm like I was trying, it seemed like I was trying to reach back for reality and like trying to process it all. And it was just overwhelming. Right, right. So was it set for you to leave after the third day? And that, how did the, when I say transfer, but how, how did you leave and the adoptive parents? Because you told your son. Uh, that, that part is like very traumatic for me mm-hmm. still to this day. I was allowed to hold my son as the nurse wheeled me down to the lobby where the adoptive parents met me in the lobby of the hospital. Mm-hmm. And um, that was he, tough. I, yeah. I, I'm going I'm going back to my day that I left the hospital. Yeah. And for me it was twelve days after 
and I met the paralegal from the law firm. So it wasn't at that time that you chose the family or whatever. But and and the word I use, Brandy, is empty arms. Yeah, I mean it's just like I felt so I felt so bad because the moment I put my son in in the car seat, it's like he almost Oh so almost, you put you placed him in a car seat. Yeah, in the lobby. Okay. And he like he started screaming. Mm. Like a scream that I haven't a cry a scream that I haven't heard before that 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 time and it was like everything that I I just felt like I was doing everything that I wasn't supposed to be doing you know wow. like wow. like this wasn't right and didn't feel right but it's like I I have to like right. Right. I I don't know I felt like I had no choice to right. like right. do right. that so who and, was there was your your boyfriend was there who else was there when you came down to the lobby of the hospital. My boyfriend's mom, who was okay. our ride back home, okay. and also the adoptive parents, both the, the mother and father, okay. and the nurse. <laughs> that was that was pretty much it. So once they will you there and you put your son in the car seat, so did you then leave or did you see the adoptive parents leave with your son, or what was that process? We, um, they left before us, and it was hard to we, say, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was really hard. I, I was, I was screaming wow. like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you have your? Did you? Was your son's face etched in your mind? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it just, it still is, you know? Yeah. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so, because how long ago was this? When did you have your son? Almost 10 years now. Okay. He'll okay. be 10 in May. Okay. So, once you left the hospital, where did you and your boyfriend go? We actually went to my dad's house. He was, he was there now <laughs> and okay. at this okay. at, at this point okay. and my abuela my grandma she lived there as well and I I just went into this room in the basement and just <laughs> cried for yeah. a few days you know and yeah. the pain of of my breast and the pain of the scar too like the post yeah. c-section you had surgery you had yeah surgery. It was really rough for me, and my my grandma didn't know my other grandma. This is my dad's mom. Mm-hmm. She didn't know that I gave my baby to other people. Did he? <laughs> so, did she know that you were pregnant? She knew. I think like recently, before, you okay. know, before, yeah. Okay. okay. But so taking those days in the basement for you to start your process of healing. Afterwards, then you're still a senior in high school. Did you go back to school? Yeah, the next year I was an extra senior because of all the school that I missed. Right. Um, so that was 
an interesting experience, but we did get to, up until I signed the relinquish papers to relinquish my parental rights officially, because I, I haven't done it yet. We were allowed to see our son like pretty frequently every, like every few days okay. to every week. And that was good for us to like, just know that like what, what was he with the adoptive uh, parents at that time? Yes. Did you see him? Okay. Okay. And we signed the relinquishment papers around three weeks after leaving the hospital. Mm -hmm. And after that, it seemed like the adoptive parents changed quite a bit. You had alluded to something that you, when you were signing your papers, that your mom, so did your mom come back in your life? Or? Yeah, my mom, it's just been a rocky relationship with her. Mm -hmm. And we're now, you know, 10 years later, we're rebuilding and, you know, have a much better relationship. But right. there was just still a, a big disconnect between me and my mother during this time. Mm -hmm. So did she share, you had mentioned, did she share some information she hadn't shared before? Yeah, after I relinquished like a few months she did tell me that I was initially placed for adoption for a couple weeks after I was born mm. and then she decided to take me back and up until that point I had no idea ever that I was wow. initially relinquished and did she ever explain to you why or now were you in foster care those two weeks or Yes, I was. Okay. And it's interesting now looking back, it's like I was in foster care, you know, for a couple of weeks of my first, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. And then later, you were talking about later at 15, you had was in foster care prior to uh, getting pregnant, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Been through some tough times, Brandy. How are you now? I am healing and okay. growing and. Okay really addressing a lot of this pain on a daily right. basis. It's, yeah. it's a practice to heal. and I like you know, that, practice to heal, because it is. Yeah. And it's a daily basis. It's a daily practice to heal. I like that. But yeah. that's truly what it is. Yeah. So are you seeing your son, or what's that relationship there with the open adoption? The open adoption changed from what I initially wanted, and okay. that was really hard for me. The, they told us that it's just best for their family if, you know, there's less and less contact over the years. So we just started getting less very quickly, and mm -hmm. that was really hard because again I, I wanted a very open adoption and now it is semi-closed mm. I do get to see him it's just that it's so supervised and kind of rigid mm. like like within a time constraint mm -hmm. that like maybe once or twice a year that I don't we don't really get to connect authentically 
and right. openly. You know, we get to see each other and and say what's up about our lives at that time, but it's just so it doesn't feel open to me. And does he know who you are? Yes, he does. And mm-hmm. I'm so thankful for that. He knows. So I actually did just get to see him a month ago. Okay. And he, we haven't seen each other almost a year. And he immediately runs up. Mm-hmm. We're at his soccer game. And around he's all with his friends and stuff. But he runs up mm-hmm. and he just hugs me like oh, for um, a few minutes. It was great. so beautiful. Great. And my partner, who I'm still with, uh, birth father, okay, he comes with me to all the visits and is my big support person. And my my birth son loves to just play with us and be with us. And we just told him on our last visit that we're getting married. Okay, congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. And he was so excited for us that he just immediately was jumping up and down like, can we come, can I come to your wedding? Oh, wow. (laughs) You have him in your wedding? Who's just going to attend? I I would love to ask if he can be in the wedding. I don't know if he'll be allowed to, but, you know, since he wants to come to the wedding, they said that they would be open to that. Okay. So I feel like that's, you know... A little progress for us in our openness journey. Yeah, yeah. So what would you, for as a hot topic or whatever, what would you say to the birth moms out there or anyone in the adoption of, as you say, how, when I ask you how you're doing, you're healing and daily practice every day. What would you say to others that's gotten you through all of this? Because, you, you know, we talk about adoption. We talk about the grief, the trauma, the disenfranchised grief and all of that. But you put on top of not only teen mom and your circumstances, a foster, unbeknownst to you, your first two weeks of your life, and then later on in your life, about how you've how you've made it through, and, and what do you say to other moms out there? Just keep showing up for oh, yourself, keep and showing up for yourself. Yes. you know, tap into what. Like how your body is feeling. I feel like my body has been such a a great way of healing because it you know, trauma and you know exist in different areas and manifest into different ways. I've right. I've dealt with a lot of health issues then and I think that it is related to, you know, trauma. So just addressing right, you know, what's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And working through the those feelings and experiences, I've been to therapy mm-hmm. many times. I um, found yoga as well. Right, I, right. I'm actually just about to start teaching right. pre prenatal yoga, so I'm finally like stepping into the space again. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's been it's been a journey of yeah. Like healing and... Yeah. I always talk about solutions, and I love to hear what you've said. Yoga, meditation, tap into your body. Tap into mm-hmm. your body to recognize what the body is saying to you. Because we have to do that for ourselves to heal. And I love the fact that you do have what what connection you have with your son and how excited he is to see you and wants to be in your wedding. 
Let's talk about now regarding open, semi-closed, or whatever. If you had to say or give some things you believe that, quote-unquote, I'll say the adoption community needs to know or you want them to know on how to best develop or strategize an open adoption and how it would work, that all parties or as many parties with the adoptive, the birth, and the child can really come to a solution that will work best for all. What's your input in all of that? Yeah, I think the most painful experience as a birth birth mom has been like empty promises or broken promises. Mm-hmm. You know, we go into these agreements and states that aren't legal binding. So Michigan is not a legal binding state. Mm-hmm. And we are making the decision based off what the prospective adoptive parents are are telling us is what they want, you mm-hmm. know. And of course everyone has a right to change, you know, how they feel about things and but when you say open adoption, like right. stick to openness and you know, I believe that the most important component is the child mm-hmm. and what they what they need and you know, my child I believe needs us just mm-hmm. just you know in his life and he asks about us and wants to spend time with us and there's this barrier mm-hmm. so if we can you know really have openness if, if it's open and mm-hmm. you brought up something and and i've had this discussion before with other moms or support groups or conferences or whatever and the statement is know your rights And I mentioned Know Your Rights, and there's a lot of advocacy, of course, about what can be done with adoptions and specified when you say legal binding states and non-legal binding states. And this is coming from D. Yvonne Rivers, host of Birth Moms Real Talk. I, I stand behind my words, and I encourage all birth moms... Everyone out there doing any kind of uh, contracts or whatever, know what's in it, know what's binding, know what's not. So you can have your best of what you want with that. Because I've seen on the other side too, as you say, um, Brandy, is that people empty promises or expectations, unmet expectations. And anytime there's unmet expectations, there are frustrations. And with frustration comes a lot of times depression. The person comes out not living a good life. And I want everybody to live a good life. So I'll just say, if I had to say, for example, you have a right to your own individual legal representation. Because I've heard that also. Me and birth mom saying, oh, you mean I could have had my lawyer? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I do suggest, this is me coming out and saying, get not only do your work, but know what you can have accessibility to and allow people who are that profession with that to make sure that at least your rights or what your wishes are can be best expressed. I'll put it that way because we know a lot of times happen, as you say, if it's non-binding, well, what can you do? Well, just do the best you can, you know, and make sure your wishes are set. Because she just mentioned for us that the first priority is our child. 
That's the first priority across the board. Now, people may or may not agree with me. I don't care. <laughs> the child is the first priority. And when I hear or if there's a situation that the child wants to and is of age to make a sound decision and so forth, it's like work something out. Work something out. That's why we have the fourth Saturday of each month, we have a Facebook Live with the triad, meaning adoptees, birth moms, and adopted mom. Because everybody needs to know everybody else's situation and in their yeah. shoes. And if they understood that, because I always will say, well, what if it was the tables were turned and it was you? <laughs> How would you want right, to act? Right. You know, that's the golden yeah. rule, you know. Go yeah, ahead. exactly. Go ahead. Go ahead. Exactly. It's, it's communication is so important too. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna say it's an open adoption, like communication is is the first thing. And, and specifically, how the communication, how often, and I mean, yeah, I, I'm I'm an analytical, so give it to me line by line, <laughs> exactly yeah. what's can can't, so you then know. Yes, and. Yeah, and that's the thing is what's been the most challenging for us is that we don't know, like, when we're going to see our son, you know, and we don't know if they're going to respond to our text. And Mm -hmm. it's really, like, I actually am talking about this a little bit, is that it's been really hard to, to stick to my agreement of openness the last few years Mm -hmm. because of my experience here and I have to protect my own heart Mm -hmm. and my whole my own my my own health you Mm -hmm. know mental health and eventually it was just getting to the point where the communication wasn't healthy I -hmm. wasn't getting clear answers I was getting blocked for saying Mm -hmm. happy birthday Mm -hmm. you know so there was a lot of um you know, mistreatment that I felt like it was and they weren't open to receiving any sort of resolution or Mm -hmm. talking about it. Mm -hmm. So I was very much contemplating if I should close Mm. because it was so painful for me, you know, like at a certain point, it's like, there's only so much I can do and yes, I should let it go and I, I'm working on it, you know, and, and dealing with it as a practice, but it's like also it's opening up a wound every single time, not feeling like you're respected or honored yeah. in yeah. in your place too, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's why, you, and I'm glad you were important that communication, communication of across whoever is connected and so forth. And that's why these platforms of podcasts and Zoom support groups and so forth, and we've got the Birth Moms Village and all, we need to be able to talk to each other. But if we're sitting in different pairs of shoes and don't know how it affects the other person, because sometimes one statement, you know, I, I heard in all what you just said, Brandon, I heard blocked. When I hear blocked, that means mm-hmm. you you are you 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 you're disenfranchising that person as if they're not worthy for you to talk to. I mean, to mm-hmm. me, that that was like I'm putting both my hands up there, like block. I block you. I don't want to talk to you. Yeah, that is deep. When I said happy birthday, you know, like yeah. that was a that was a hurtful thing. I, I would love, and we do it the fourth uh, Saturday of each month, and having the triad and. I try to get as many adoptive parents, mostly moms, birth moms and adoptees, so to have that three-way conversation. In other words, and be able to say, 
blocking me from and 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 wishing happy birthday to my son is an infraction on me and the love I have for my child forever. I mean, really, forever. Yeah. So so and and whether they they are thinking that or not, maybe in hearing that it doesn't have to directly kind of have to come directly from you, Brandy, but hearing other birth moms saying about and I have to, I'm gonna have to say this statement because heard this recently, different adoptive moms and birth moms in developing relationships. And the commonality I've heard from all the different birth moms and adoptive moms talking, when they can have a relationship and talk about what's best for their child, nature versus nature, nature versus nurture, because both are needed. Both are needed. You can't have an adoption without a child. Where does the child come from? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the birth mom. You know, I mean, it sounds very simplistic as I say it, but it really is. But it takes both. You know, you pull one away. And, and I say, this is my statement. I gave my son life. His adoptive parents taught him how to live life. That's mm-hmm. how I put it. But it took both of us. It takes both of us yeah. to really be participating in that. So any last really? thoughts, Brandy, before we end up today? Yeah, you know, ho- hopefully that there could just be more progress in adoptions that already happening, you know, that already happens in the mm-hmm. relationships between adoptive parents and birth parents. And I hope that birth parents can be more honored in future years, you know, as, as we, um, as we still are out here, like mm-hmm. silently suffering, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I say that and you're true, Brandy, this family is suffering. I'm saying, and we speak to all birth moms out there, you do not have to suffer alone. You do not have to suffer alone. As I say, this platform here, and not that you want to share your story to the public and everybody who's doing that. That's why we have the Facebook, the Birth Moms Real Talk Village, which is birth moms, because you've got to have the support together. Only people who understand your shoes and where you come from. That's what you notice was very emotional for me in hearing Brandy talk about being wheeled down into the lobby with her son. And I, I, I can go back to that moment for me. I walked down to the lobby with my son. And that was nearly 48 years ago. So the pain doesn't go away. It eases. We understand it better. But birth moms don't suffer out there alone. Do your work because it takes everybody to do their work. Do your work. Get your therapy. Get your support and so forth. And when all parties themselves, even adoptees and understanding, and I'm glad he knows you, Brandy, of not knowing who you are because that itself could cause who am I? We just was on a session with Damon Davis. Who am I really? Who am I really? He's wondering who he is based on where he comes from. So thank you so much, Brandy, for sharing your story, your journey. It's impactful. It will help other moms, other people out there in the world. You've been listening to Birth Moms Real Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Yvonne Rivers. Please listen to our podcast. Give us a review, a five-star review. Like us. Go to our website, birthmomsrealtalk.com. Support us. We we want to continue to bring you these podcasts, but it takes money and support. So I'm asking you to support us through Patreon. 
to become a Patreon supporter and donor. I want to thank our newest Patreon supporter, Rosemary. Thank you so much, Rosemary. And looking for a lot of the rest of you. I get a lot of emails saying y'all love this podcast. Show me. <laughs> Show me how much you love it. And Birth Moms, actually the village, join us. We have a Zoom the fourth Tuesday of each month. We're actually reading Birth Primal Womb. Primal Womb. We're discussing that. And this is Now, the Birth Moms Real Talk Village is a private group that is not public. Those who would like to share your story, go on our website and submit your story just like Brandy did. Thank you so much, Brandy. It was so good to have you. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for listening into Birth Moms Real Talk, where birth mothers share their journeys and we have an open and honest conversation about adoption. If you would like to share your story or you have any comments, you can reach us at birthmomsrealtalk.com or email us at Yvonne at birthmomsrealtalk.com. If you like what you heard, we would appreciate your support on Patreon as a supporter. Find out more on our website. Tune in next time. See you then. Thank you.